welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast. Where our goal is to make politics more accessible and less intimidating. The show features an interview with an expert in the political field, walking us through the many cues we have about politics, civics, government, and more. By providing civic education in the places we are, on our phones, and in the language we speak. And yes, we know, we say like a lot. It's kind of the point. Because politics needed a rebrand. Welcome back to Girl and the Gov, the podcast. Last week, it was Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Still is, but this week, it's Kevin McCarthy. And the man got the boot from literally his own team, from the opposite team, from literally everybody, it feels like. But what? Literally craziness. I was literally on on a stroll, on a walk, getting that HGW, you know, on and rolling. And when I tell you, I looked at my phone because I saw a notification pop up and it was like Kevin McCarthy, like has been voted out of the speakership. I literally just mouth but drop like, <gasps> like full on dramatic appeal situation. And this runner Literally, like, I didn't hear him, which goes to show I need to lower my headphones a little bit. I did not hear this man coming, and he, like, full-on ran into me. Like, (laughs) Kevin McCarthy caused a physical, like, a person-to-person car accident, basically. Yeah. I don't know what we call that. A collision. Right. It's basically manslaughter at that point. Exactly. I weirdly, like, felt like this was going to happen. And I know it's, like, not a popular take because I feel like everyone's a little shook and, like... First speaker in history, obviously, like huge news, historic. But I don't know why. Like when I heard that this was happening, I was like, this is happening. Like, goodbye. You know? Um, no, I I agree with that. Like, I think I didn't think that it was going to happen as quickly as it did for whatever yeah, reason. true. Given how long it took for him to get this position. But it, never yeah, forget exactly. that historic moment. So, well, I started this series, and when I say series, I've made one TikTok on it. Well, one and a half, we'll put it that way. Okay. We'll see how long I last with this, but it's like political moments that feel like fever dreams, which is spurred by the fact that I saw that dude this weekend wearing a Four Seasons landscaping sweatshirt. And it was an ironic one. Like, it just this dude like happened to like clearly work for a company called Four Seasons Landscaping. And this feels like one. It really feels like, you know, how during the Trump administration, everything just was constantly like, a shit show, insane yeah. news story after news story. It was like essentially watching SNL play out in real life with unfortunate real consequences. Mm-hmm. And in Biden getting elected, I think a lot of people thought like, oh, shit's going to get back to normal, at least in some degree, the shit's going to calm down. And like, granted, we work in politics, we see it up close. So even some of the things that maybe every Joe Schmo isn't paying attention to, we really see. And therefore like, oh my God, it really has never stopped. I think things have definitely slowed down since, you know, we've had good old Joe in office and resumed some normalcy when you are comparing it to the Trump years, 1000%. But yeah, there is just still, because there's still, it's this Republican party is still stuck in the Trump years. So they're still, you know, fighting and doing these things that you're just like, can you get your goddamn shit together? Like the party of chaos, get it together. So obviously we still see these, these spouts of chaos within this party because yeah, they just haven't been able to figure out like 
where to land. There's clearly, you know, this internal divide within the party around where to go, given that McCarthy was like what I considered so far right. And he's now being ousted by the farther right members of Congress. And it's just like, it's crazy. So yeah, there's a lot of infighting in that party and they have not been able to recover from the Trump years. And I don't know when or if they ever will. I I really don't know. Like I feel like you have to burn it all the way down to be able to build it back up at this point. It's just, I don't even know what the what the hell you do i and quite frankly i kind of don't care it's like you guys do this to yourselves like totally sorry the like residual damage comes on to all of us who have to fucking right deal with a non-functional government but speaking of non-functional governments and also therefore non-functional people you see Trump at his little trial situation this week. Oh my gosh. Trial, like, hearing. Yeah. And there is this video Michael Rappaport takes. I put it in oh, the judge. some favors. The judge. That is, was the cutest thing I've ever seen. Whose father is that? Whose grandfather is that? Because. You need to be best friends. I need him. Protect that man at all costs for all of them. <laughs> Literally. Obsessed. He just was like, oh, it's me. The camera's on me. Like, it literally felt it like we like were watching an episode of Parks and Rec. <laughs> Parks and Rec. No, I yeah, know. Parks it was just like, he was clearly like, like, he was like, wow, this is my moment. Like, I'm on the national stage. I'm here. This is what I, you know, I've worked my whole life for. Like, that was pride, you know? It was so cute. It was really <laughs> precious. But like, also, it just had like the best almost like tv character to it Mm -hmm. like something about it felt that felt like a fever dream amazing oh yeah trump's lawyer what forgot to request a jury and now he doesn't have a jury and he's calling it unfair but it literally was his lawyer's fault i think that's how it went but yeah we're just reality tv chaos from this republican party again it's just like it never ends insanity well also, speaking of feel things that feel like reality TV. See, I just I really wanted to start my TikTok grind yesterday. So now everyone just gets a recap of my TikToks. But we got this review that was talking about how we say like too much. No. And <laughs> first of all, <laughs> it was like florals for spring, groundbreaking. Like yeah, that exactly. was what it and the second we got it, because when we get a review, we get an email about it. I literally dropped my computer laughing. I was howling. I was like, this is iconic. It's like not reading the warning label on a firework. Because our, and I put this in the in the TikTok, if you listen to our intro, which granted, I guess- You're Astros here right now. Something. So you did listen yeah. to our intro. You listened to it. What did we say? Then that we say like a lot. And okay, that's kind of that's the That's kind of the point. Yeah. Is everyone okay? That's just what I tend to ask myself on a daily basis. No one is okay. No one is okay. I literally- A lot of people aren't. It a is lot of people aren't. Bananas. Okay. Just looking- I think you are. You are. You're- but I think I'm doing You're okay. in TikTok retirement. <laughs> I am. I am. I am in TikTok retirement. That is like something that all the girlies should know. That if you're like, where's Maddie? Guys, I clip she videos- refuses. I clip videos to and do. I on TikTok. I am I feel like I'm in my retirement from face to camera. 
Aside which from the Zoom. is so funny because I was the one at the beginning that had the most resistance to TikTok. I was like, also so bad at it. I was like, I hate this shit. And now, and Maddie was like, oh, I got this. Like, I don't know, maybe it was like the, the year and a half age gap between us. She was like, this is more me. Like, I got this. And she really, she jumped in, which is why we went viral in the first place. And I was like, I'm going to get canceled for existing. Like, I just really, oh. I also had another job at the time. I was just so nervous about everything, you know? So, but regardless, now I'm the one doing all the TikToks. Where's Maddie? Couldn't tell you. Missing, missing in action. Missing in action. Occasionally, all those clips, she though, those are me. True. Those are me. They take yeah, some time. She... I really got to, like, curate all our hilarious moments on this podcast because you guys know. Oh, you wow. listen. You know how funny we are. We have to cup it for the world. And Oh, that's fucking facts. So, anyways. 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 I, I'm done. I feel like we've ranted. <laughs> we've ranted plenty. We can get into our guests today. Honestly. We can. We can. We can absolutely get into our guest. You guys may know her from an IG Live that we did back in our IG Live days, which we have retired. You guys may have seen her on an Instagram Live of ours that we did back in the day when we were doing that Keeping Up with the Candidate series. The guest is Colorado State Representative Lindsay Daugherty. We are chatting with her today about the foster care system, which is something that we haven't gotten into yet it's like on the list of things we're like we need to get into what the system looks like what are the problems with there what are even like the bright spots how do we fix it what does that all look like so this is really like that starters point starters guide look at the foster care system in the u.s and what sort of the story is today so nonetheless without further ado here is rep daughterty Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. If you work in the political space, listen up. Here at Girl on the Gov, we have built our whole business around effectively marketing political messaging through digital media. And we want to help you do the same. We have a full digital media consulting menu these days tailored specifically to the political space. Number one, hashtag viral. It is our paid social media newsletter that comes straight to your inbox every Tuesday. If you've ever thought uh, this meeting could have been an email, this newsletter is for you. We give basics to best practices, platform updates, and the content ideas you need to go hashtag viral. And for offering number two, if you want some one-on-one face-to-face attention, we offer that too. We provide social media audits and consulting to help you achieve the conversions and engagement you've been hoping for from your social media content. And number three, in our newest edition, Podcast Consulting, we are the minds behind this gorgeous political podcast for young voters that we've been running for two and a half years now. So we know a thing or two about how not only to get a podcast off the ground, but how to grow an audience. We provide podcast consulting for anyone trying to get their podcast started or provide podcast audits for those who have started their pod but want to see it take off. Podcasting is a great new in-house digital media marketing tool and a great way for any candidate elected or org to amplify their work and their voice. So head to girlinthegov.com slash consulting to learn more about our services and to sign up for hashtag viral to start slaying the beast that is digital media. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that. 
all promising to fix my split ends and my dry skin and all of the things. But when Pro says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. And your formula literally couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals, and they get personal. Pros covers everything from diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They even asked me about, you know, where I live, the water hardiness that I have coming from my shower, UV index, all of the things. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing premixed, nothing off the shelf. And I know from experience, one-of-a-kind formulas equal one-in-a-million results. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed that my hair is definitely fuller. I have thinner hair that just like will not hold a curl or stay voluminous. And ever since using pros, that has changed. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering an exclusive trial offer. So you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash girlandgov. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash G-I-R-L-A-N-D-G-O-V for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash girlandgov. Well, hello. Welcome to Girl and the Gov, the podcast. We have Representative Daughtery here, and we have so much to get into. It is going to be a wild time at Ridge High. But before we, of course, get into the weeds of what we're talking about today, which is the foster care system and really explaining sort of the different angles of what that looks like, we got to get the background. And I know we've chatted a little bit before, but for people that didn't join our IG Live back in the day, can you tell us how you got into politics, you know, how, how this all came to be? Yeah. And thanks again for having me. I'm so excited to be here again. As I said last time, you guys do such an incredible job and it's so important bridging the gap and and kind of explaining how things actually work. So thank you again for all that you do. And thanks for having me. So yeah, so I am an attorney by background and I was fortunate enough to have internships for some really great elected officials in law school. I, I had internships in the House, the Senate, and the White House when Obama was was there. So because of that, I really got involved and interested in policy work. And that kind of stuck with me. I got advice after law school to practice first and then tried to get into the policy or politics. And so that's what I did. And I've actually done, as we're talking about today, ju- uh, juvenile work and guardian ad litem work for the past 10 years, kind of prior to getting into my elected position. So that's that's kind of how I'm here. Yeah. Well, we're super curious in that guardian work and kind of what that role even is. And we'd love to hear more. I don't think we've really dived into that before. 
Yeah. So guardian ad litem is essentially a court appointed attorney when youth are taken out of their homes because of a neglectful or abuseful situation. And so it's really important for the kiddos to have a voice in court and throughout the process. And that's exactly what a guardian ad litem does. They they kind of give that voice to that youth in a courtroom. And we're there to explain the legal process and explain to the youth their rights because they certainly do have rights in this situation. And I think, at least from my perspective and why I've been doing this for so long is that those rights are the most important in the whole case. We're here for the kids and to do what we can for them. Totally. And I know that there's been some legislation that you've helped get passed, including a right to counsel for youth bill. Can you tell us a little bit about that bill, like what it entails and also why it was needed in the first place? Because I think so much of the time it's like, yes, oh my gosh, we got to the solution. But there's also like, why are, Why did we need to fill that hole in the first place? Yeah. So I think previously what guardian ad litems did is they advocated for the best interest of the child, which is very, very important. But the shift now in what has happened in Colorado and what is happening in a lot of states is to actually advocate for what the child wants and their their voice, not just what I perceive their best interest to be. And it took me a little little while to kind of get onto the, you know, that bandwagon of that shift in thinking, because it is a really big shift for folks that do this kind of work. And what it does is it gives the youth even more of a voice in their case. And I had a lot of legislators kind of look at me and when we were running this bill, be like, well, kids don't even know what hair, you know, what haircut they want. How how can you advocate for just what they're telling you that they want. And it's because kids are actually so much smarter, especially in these situations than we give them credit for. It's actually incredible how much they'll pick up on and how much they know what is best for them. And we've had youth who have gone through this process say, you know, I had a, a guardian ad litem. I, you know, I had my own attorney and I truly feel like I wasn't represented at all. You know, they did what they thought was best for me, but I know what's best for me. And so making that shift in how we're dealing with our youth in these cases is so important also for later in their lives when they're advocating for themselves. It, it kind of teaches them how to do that now, which is so important when you're when you're in that situation, you need to be able to advocate for themselves yourself. So I was so incredibly proud to kind of bring that bill. And we had really great testimony when I ran that in committee as well. Yeah. Awesome. And I mean, that makes so much sense. It's like the person that's actually in the situation is obviously going to know what best. Maybe they don't know all of the options open to them. And I think that's definitely where, you know, having some guidance can be helpful. But again, like to, you know, your point, it's like being in that situation, it's like you most likely know what is going to work and what's also not going to work because you know the players, you know the people. So I think there's just so much to discuss there, but I think we need to get some basics down here. And that is like, what is the foster care system? Obviously, it's talked about a good amount. It comes up in just, you know, conversations and whatnot. But like, it's such a classic, like, oh, yeah, we talk about it. But like, what actually is it, you know? Yeah. So, you know, the goal of the foster system is to make sure that we're protecting vulnerable, vulnerable children. And that is at the state and the county levels. So there's kind of different layers of what we can do for our youth 
There's different programs at the state level. There's different programs at the federal level. There's different services at both. For me, at this as a state representative, obviously, I focus on what we can do at the state level. And a lot of times that includes federal funds that we get. We, we got quite a bit of one-time dollars through COVID federal funds that we are able to put into kind of some of our systems, including our foster system. But what we're missing a lot, and this is in Colorado and I think nationwide, are placements. It's kind of tough to get those placements for our foster youth. So what we always look at first and foremost are family placements and you know kinships and that sort of thing. And what we do is we make sure obviously that they're, they're very safe places for our youth to go, that we are still making sure that they're able to take advantage of any services that we have. But really, you know, the foster system is intended to be there to protect kids who who need protection and to offer really good placements. And we're we're as a state struggling with those placements, like I said, but we're certainly trying to increase those and make sure we have more options for for our youth. Yeah. What is kind of the, I guess, hurdles when it comes to placements that you guys see really like what what are those problems just having them in general and unfortunately yeah Mm -hmm. yeah we just don't yeah we just don't have enough and we need to be able to find a good match you know you don't want to put a a kid in a place that's not a good match and so we want to have options for those youth like i said a lot of times if family is what we look at first but if they're not available we have to go outside of that and a lot of times we're waiting on those placements. And when we do find those placements, sometimes they're not a good fit. And we really need to make sure it's a connection that, you know, foster parents and and their and our youth have with each other um, so that our youth are able to thrive and do well in that placement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of foster parents, can you kind of explain really what are foster parents? Like, how are they kind of different than even like adoptive parents and you know, is this a job? Do they get paid? Can you kind of like break down like really what what that looks like? Yeah. So they have to be licensed and go through um, certain trainings that are provided by the state in order to become an official foster parent. So they have to have certifications and that sort of thing. So anyone just can't become a foster parent. We really try to do background checks and make sure that these are appropriate adults to have placements. That's different than adoptive parents because foster parents are temporary, whereas adoptive parents are permanent. Sometimes it doesn't happen a lot, but sometimes we do have foster parents who will adopt the youth that come to live with them. You know, I would say, like I said, it doesn't typically happen in a, a lot of the cases, but it certainly does, especially when we have a really good fit in a connection, which is also why it's so important to get our youth to some sort of placement where there is that connection. So that's kind of the difference. Adoptive is more um, permanent, where foster is typically temporary, unless they decide to adopt and then it's permanent. So, yeah. And I am curious, I know this is going to be like such a wide range of reasons, but like what sort of tracks kids into the foster care system in the first place? Like, how did we, you know, how do we get there? Yeah. um, Unfortunately, you know, these kids go through a lot of of trauma, typically. Um, You know, we've got physical, sexual, emotional abuse, abandonment, 
neglect of child's basic needs, if the parents are having any sort of drug or alcohol abuse, you know, if if the, the children aren't going to school on a normal basis, that can kind of also start one of these cases. So it's a lot of a, a wide variety of reasons, you know, in the 10 years that I've been doing this, I've seen really just kind of the worst situations you could possibly think of come up with these kids. And it's, it's, it's a really tough job, but I truly believe that there are kids we have gotten services and gotten out of situations and we were able to essentially save their lives. And I have, I've been now invited to some of the clients I've had their college graduations and I've kept in touch with some of them. And it's amazing how, if you connect kids to the right services at the right time, when they need them, they actually can make something of themselves, regardless of the trauma and the abuse that they've gone through, which is really amazing to see. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I'm curious about the overall system um, of foster care and like, I guess it's effectiveness. Is this system like, I guess in its most idyllic form, like the system you think that is it and like should be in place and we just like don't invest in it enough. And that's why there's like downfalls. I'm just curious, like whether this system you think is the best, I guess, option or vehicle to help these kids. It's just maybe like the lack of, like I said, investment. Yeah. I think um, systems can always be improved. And it's, and certainly this one, and certainly you hear of those really horrible stories where kids are placed in terrible, you know, foster homes, um, and the abuse continues, um, which is certainly not what we want to have happen. Um, you know, it happens in family placements too. I've had, I've had some youth, you know, who've had to be removed from their homes because of, um, sexual abuse. And then we put them in a, another home placement and it continues with another person. And it's true. It's, I mean, it's truly horrifying to think of going through something like that and trying to then be a functioning adult in your later years. Right. So like I said, I I'm proud to have run some bills and we keep working at the, at the state level and here in Colorado to improve those circumstances. But I think there are a lot of improvements that need to be made. Um, like I said, we got those we we got those one time those COVID federal funds, which were were really helpful for a, a lot of the services. Last year, I was able to get some more some more money to to put into services here in Colorado. But again, you do hear really really awful stories about our youth and what can happen in the in the foster system. So I would just say that it, it can certainly be improved, and that's what we try to do all the time at the Capitol. Yeah, and I'm curious too, like what some of those solutions are like what are the like the spots where it's like okay if we at least you know did xyz thing xyz other thing would improve you know like what are some of the solutions that you feel like would really like help at large yeah so you know one of the bills that i ran increased the timeline it allowed a youth who opted out of services at 18 to opt back in through a petition process to make sure that they're retaining those services again. A lot of times, as, as you know, you know, we get to the age of 18 and we think we're an adult and we can do all of the adult things. And we're like, no, I don't want any help. We, you know, we, I'm, I'm good. I, I got this. And then you realize life is a lot harder than you thought it would be. 
And it's so much harder when you don't have any sort of, you know, anyone that truly cares in your life, which is where a lot of these kids come from. It's really devastating. So they get to 18. They're like, I don't want to be part of the system anymore. Um, They leave the system. They lose all of their services, including housing or vouchers for groceries or things like that, um, that we can help them with. And before I ran this bill, there was no way to opt back into to, in order to get those services. Um, so now uh, you can petition back in through a process through the county. We had broad support for this and retain those services until you're 21. So housing, college, all those sorts of things, which I think is incredible. And again, we had really good testimony on that bill as well when it went through committee. Yeah. Well, that I'm so curious too, in terms of the like at 18 end of things, because I feel like so much of at least the national conversation is like you turn 18 and then what? Like, you know, the the clock strikes midnight and it's sort of like, okay, who's going to help you now? Like you no longer qualify in Los States for services. Like what, where do you go? Like what happens next? And so I'm just so curious, like what that national picture looks like too, of like what happens when you turn 18? Like what services are generally available to you and what just it's like, sorry, you're 18 now, like best of luck. Yeah. So I would say not a lot. So, which is why, which is why that the bill that we worked on in Colorado was fantastic and so important Mm -hmm. because I feel like what we're missing kind of as a society in order to get over that system and the cycle of abuse, you know, the cycle of poverty is really investing in our youth and our children. You know, we spend so much time at the Capitol here in Colorado, and I think nationwide, looking at adults, which I think is great. But I think we need to spend more time looking at our youth and investing in our youth and what we can do for them. Because that's when I think you can really truly have an impact. And like I said, breaking that that cycle that is happening. And I find it's really interesting. I'm the only family law attorney with kind of a juvenile background at the Capitol. Well, there's one more now that uh, was just elected this last year. But you, I feel like we run a lot of these adult bills and we just totally leave out our youth population. So I've been happy to be there and kind of be a voice and say, hey, what about our youth? Instead of running another bill next year that's separate, can we just kind of make sure we're including everyone. And that includes our, our youth who really, really need us now. So I, I wish as a, as a country, we would do more investing in our youth than we currently do. Like I said, we can do small things like in the state of Colorado, that the bill that I just talked about, but I think it really needs to be on a national level. Yeah. Well, curious too, after, you know, the 18 year mark, I guess what, what are some of kind of the negative things that can happen? I know there's kind of like a major pipeline to homelessness and things like that. Can you kind of highlight why it's so important to, you know, continue to invest in these kids, 18, 19, what's the difference? Yeah. You know, I think I see, especially in the clients I have when they get to this, this age of, you know, being an adult as recognized by society it's the critical time when we can either lose, lose them, you know, to homelessness or drugs, you know, or violence or things like that, that they are predisposed to, or we can actually save them. And I'm telling you that these, these youth that I work with, they just need one person to care. They just need 
They just, they, they really just need, you know, a reason to believe that they can be better than what, what they were brought into and what they've seen in their lives. And it doesn't, it really doesn't take much. These kids, they want to succeed. They want to thrive. And we just have to do, you know, one little thing, you know, make sure there's services and people who care and who they can connect with to make sure that they aren't what they they've seen, that they can be better than that. And it's, it's really incredible. Cause I have, like I said, I've seen the worst of what humans can do to kids. And I yeah. have seen these kids pull through and it's, it's really actually incredible what happens if you just give them options and opportunities. And that's again, what I, what we try to do at the Capitol and why I'm happy to have done the guardian ad litem work for as long as I have. Yeah. That's awesome. Totally. And I'm curious, like what the, for really going back to like the under 18 too, like what are the services that do exist? Like how, like, are they supported? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So I think some of the really important services are counseling. I, I keep kind of coming back to, you can't imagine the the situations and the, and the devastation that some of these kids go through. And so just connecting them with counseling counseling, family counseling, that sort of thing, when we're trying to look back towards reunification, if that's one of the goals is so integral to, I mean, they've typically never had access to any sort of mental health help before. And so that, I mean, that one thing has done wonders for kids that I've seen in really, really bad situations. So I would say that that's one of the best services that we can provide our youth who've gone through a lot of traumatic experiences. Yeah. yeah. I'm also curious about, you said reunification and I meant to ask this earlier, but like, what does that look like sometimes? Like if a child is taken, you know, out of their home, like, I guess partially some of it, like the reasons, but like, what are the scenarios in which someone is then like reunified with either that parent or that guardian? Like, you know, what does that equation sort of look like? Yeah. So reunification is always the number one goal once, um, a child has been taken out of their home. Um, we want a society families to be whole. Um, but that doesn't mean that it always happens. So the parents and the family will have to go through essentially what's called a case plan and really do a lot of work in order to provide and remedy to provide a safe home and remedy whatever the situation was that caused the youth to be taken out of the home in the first place. You know, that process isn't a few week long process. That process is months and months, and it can lead, you know, into a year or so of trying to remedy what happened to remove the child and then kind of slowly have the child do visits or overnights and that sort of thing while we're making sure that it's a safe environment for the child to go back to. And ultimately, if at the end of the case, it's decided that it's not a safe environment to go back to, there'll be a termination of parental rights hearing. Um, sometimes what will happen is the biological parents could, you know, sign their rights over to, you know, family or whomever the, the child had been staying with, you know, for example, the foster fa family or, or if we've identified an adoptive family. A lot of times when we do placements, we'll also try to, like I said, it, which is why it's so important to make sure that we're finding good connections um, 
we'll try and find placements where we think there's a possibility of permanency with that placement if we think that reunification is impossible. But there are a lot of parents, once this happens, who I think really wake up to, and they do try really, really hard to get their kids back. And that's their number one goal. And so reunification, I would say, happens more often than not in these cases. I was going to ask too, it's like, are there situations from the jump where you're like, this situation is so bad, is so heinous, like reunification is just like not going to happen, like planned. Like you can plan as much as you want, but like the situation is just so dangerous. Like, and if so, like what happens in those situations? Yeah, I think there are situations where we've removed children because of something that have happened that then makes it so that their uh, parent is incarcerated. Mm -hmm. So uh, certainly in those situations, um, especially if they're going through their criminal case and they'll be incarcerated for quite a while, you know, certainly in those situations, it's reunification is most likely not going to happen. But by law, we have to look at reunification first. You know, a parent has this kind of ultimate right to their their child. And so it is something we have to explore reunification first before any sort of termination hearing happens. <clears throat> However, uh, like I said, if someone is going to be incarcerated for, you know, they, they get a sentence and it's 20 years or something like that, it, it's clearly not feasibly po- possible to place the child back. Um, and so sometimes it's clear, more clear from the beginning. However, we have to proceed as if we are attempting reunification and give the, the, the parents a chance, especially in the criminal cases. Those are quite long, too. So you don't know from the outset if they'll be convicted guilty and that sort of thing. So, yeah, like I said, we proceed as if reunification is what will happen. But in some of those cases, it's pretty clear early on that it won't. Yeah. Well, looking back towards solutions, I'm really curious, I guess, what kind of level of government like is best kind of look to to kind of advocate for change, whether it's like local, state, federal, all of them, like kind of what changes can be made at each and and which one do you think is the best pathway? Yeah, I think I think from a federal standpoint, like I said, there's funding and grants and that sort of thing that are great that the state can apply for or even better counties and more local government can apply for. I'm a big advocate in, you know, county solutions. And if you can really narrow it down because you can tailor it a lot better, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know what's better in your backyard than someone does that doesn't live in your backyard. (laughs) And we have different problems, I would say, you know, in rural Colorado than Metro Colorado, you know, it's harder to find placements in rural Colorado than Metro Colorado. So there also might be a lot more services in Metro Colorado than rural Colorado, that sort of thing. So I think it's really important um, when we're talking about funding and grants uh, in order to get money to help provide for the youth uh, to have individual tailored approaches, um, particularly at the county level. Um, I, I'm my county that I represent is mostly Jefferson County here in Colorado. Um, and they do, uh, a really great job of doing whatever they can to try and try and um, get those grants and get any of those uh, extra federal dollars in order to provide the services and placements that we need for our youth. Like, that's like one of those things I was in a conversation last night, actually, about 
just how like sometimes there's things at the federal level in terms of grants and money. And then like there's so many times where like states or local government just like either doesn't know about them or doesn't apply for them. And the money's just like sitting there. And it's like, oh, my gosh, how many solutions we could have if people just decided to either apply or actually access the funds that they're given. So it's just like sort of interesting, those mechanisms. And I'm curious, like if there's situations, especially in the realm of foster care, like where local governments aren't applying for money that they should be or like not taking advantage of resources like this, that happens. I know it does with healthcare stuff like Medicare and Medicaid, but curious on this end. Yeah, I think that is that's such a good point. Even outside of of what we're talking about with with foster youth, like you said, healthcare. I think there are a lot of programs and dollars out there, and people don't necessarily know where to get them. And so we actually hear this from constituents a lot who have businesses in my district and that sort of thing, emailing us and asking us if if those even exist. And so luckily my office can help, you know, with the, at the state level to try to identify those grants. But I I think more information and providing, you know, the link or where to go to provide or, or where to go to get those grants in one place would certainly be amazing, but it it doesn't exist. So it's a lot of digging. Uh, I know a lot, as you probably know, you know, nonprofits typically have like a designated grant writer and that sort of thing. So I think that's always a good, a, a great thing to have, but that's, you know, an employee that you also have to pay for. Yeah. And a lot of times when you're just starting or something like that, it's, it's tough to employ someone like that. So certainly that's something my office is able to do. And we work, we can work with the counties and a lot of times we'll hear of some programs or another grant or something, and then we'll try to get that information out there as much as possible. Because to your to your point, you're totally right that so much of that money, I think, goes goes wasted and unused. And it's really unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's the story of, story of our government. <laughs> no, I think it is classic. And I think it's like it goes to your point on businesses across the board on so many things where it's like there's opportunities somewhere. Like, you know, they might exist, but like finding them is crazy. Like even and it's even stuff that gets like news coverage, like Climate Corps, for example, like digging to find that link for us to like put in our newsletter, be like, guys, this is where you apply. It's like I had to really like think about like where I'm going to Google this, which websites are going to actually have this. Like it's that accessibility piece that I think is missing. But obviously we're all trying to change that, trying to, you know, make that better. But I'm curious as we get into the the make it better situation for people that want to see change in terms of a foster care system, like what is like one or two things that they should be contacting their local or even federal rep about like solutions wise, like what should be like top of mind of like, I'm going to call it by rep and say, we need to make sure this happens. Yeah. I mean, I think just including youth in the conversation is so important because they're just, they're excluded. Like I said, at the, at the Capitol, uh, you know, as, as I said earlier, we, we focus on all these bills for adults, which is, which is great. We need, we need to help people and meet people where they need to be helped. But I think with our youth, we have such, we just have this opportunity that we're missing. And that is to make sure they're in a spot where we don't have to help them as adults, that we're helping them as we're helping them as where they're at um, in their situation so that they can um, continue on their path um, and and a good trajectory, not one that they've seen before and one that is 
probably a lot of times been filled with violence or drugs or alcohol or that sort of thing. If we're able to meet them where they're at with the right services at the right time, we're looking at, you know, less crime in the future, more, more adults who are employed, you know, and it's just, we have this opportunity and I think that sadly we're missing it. So I think that would kind of be my message is just contact, you know, if, if you're, if you would like to contact your local representative, we'd love to hear from you all. It's just like include our youth in the conversation because it's so, so incredibly important and we're just missing it. And like I said, that's been one of my main goals at the Capitol. And hopefully I'm able to bring that youth voice. It's also really great to just hear from our youth. That's something I've been encouraging and, and trying to get like high schools to have more tours at the Capitol and just, just kind of see how the system is because so many people don't don't have any idea on how we actually make laws. I actually, I mean, I didn't, I'm an attorney. And until I had this job, I had no idea. (laughs) Right. So yeah, totally. I feel like so much too, it's like of the US government, like very reactive and like, to your point, it's like, we could be so proactive and so much more successful if we took that approach. And even like knowing stuff about government, like, and how all these systems work so much of the time, it's like, until like a specific thing impacts you, like you might not even know the systems around it that exist in the first place or like the hoops that you have to jump through or whatever. Like it's so reactive instead of proactive. And it's like, I think we need a little, little revising, a little fine tuning to make things sort of flow a little better. Yes, totally, totally, totally agree. And I, I just wish we would do more for our young people. Like I said, yeah. There's just, there's just such an amazing opportunity. The the kids I've met really want to do something with them, with their lives and themselves, even though they've gone through what they have. And I just, I wish we could do better for them. Absolutely. Well, this was amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and giving us all this info and answering all our questions. Is there anywhere people can find you? If they have more questions, feel free to plug anything. Yeah. So my website, it's lindsayforcolorado.com. And we also have bills by issue area. So you can see all the youth bills I've run. And if you have any ideas for any more, I'm always open to suggestions. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you. Thanks for coming on.